Hi, I'm Lee Neese, and this is Pixels, a Harbor City Photography Club podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast is a series of discussions focusing on basic concepts in photography. It's aimed at our club members and newer photographers. Most of the time, we'll dip a toe in the shallow end to give some perspective on a given topic. Sometimes, we'll showcase a club member or a guest, and occasionally, we'll offer a review. I hope it will always be interesting and informative for you, the listener. My guest today is the (laughs) inimitable Norm Prince. So Norm, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in photography, that'd be great. Uh, well, I've, I've, uh, been shooting since I was, uh, eight or nine years old and, uh, started my first, uh, darkroom work, uh, when I was 11 and, uh, I've always had an interest in, in photography and, uh, in university, I, I started out, uh, in photojournalism and then ended up not finishing that degree and, uh, Graduated with one in uh, in criminology, not that they're connected at all. But and then uh, after that, it was sort of on again, off again. And then um, when I started teaching high school in in uh, British Columbia, I uh, there was a dark room attached to the science lab, so I got back into it there. And, and then I think you in those days that I I mean because I met you teaching high school and in those days um, you were developing and the students were developing their own film and I think at that time did you have a dark room in your house? No, okay. I that was I, it was always going to be built because I'd have to use it and then there was always one at school so I never did. Fair enough. Yeah. So. When the when the move to digital happened, were you reluctant about that? Do you miss the film days, or how how, how what's your relationship with that move to digital in, in the camera world? Uh, well, I, I didn't uh, I didn't exactly jump for joy when when it uh, started, and I still think I I notice a difference when I with people I shoot with people that uh, came up on film are still. Uh, a lot more considerate about the lighting and the background and they aren't shooting, uh, you know, a hundred images to try and get one, which is pretty easy to get into with digital uh, if you're willing to sort through all the stuff. So I, I do miss film and I guess a story about uh, about technology and, and uh, I taught uh, journalism in uh, high school for uh, 12 years, I guess. And uh, one of the things I could do with film is I'd give a student a roll of 10 and say, you've got this assignment and I want four images uh, next week. And, uh, and so they would have to be pretty good because there was not another roll coming. And it was, uh, it was bulk loaded film, so they couldn't go out and like cheat and buy right, another right. roll. <laughs> and, uh, and then I kind of kept that assignment. And we got this uh, Fuji digital camera and kids would use it and I'd do the same assignment and then I couldn't figure out and I'd look out the window and I'd see them like dumping all these images and that's what they were doing was shooting (laughs) you know 150 and and then getting it down to six and sending them to me so I got fooled pretty quickly on those kinds of things. I find it really interesting the comment that you made about um, when you shoot with film photographers because this is something that I've noticed about when we've been out and I don't know if cautious is the right word, but deliberate that you're, 
you're very thoughtful about your composition and I notice that you really slow down and it seems at least as from an observer's point of view that you're really thinking about your shot. Whereas I notice myself when I'm with you in particular shooting, that it's like, wow, I seem to be taking a lot of photos and moving around and doing things. And I think that's exactly why, because I, I didn't really grow up on film photography and my, although I had a film camera, my first real camera was digital. So I've always got used to that, you know, spray and pray a little bit, um, idea. Um, so that's something that I notice shooting with, and I, and it's something I'm going to take note of when I'm with other film photographers who, who grew up on those, um, in those days, because I think they're more thoughtful. Yeah. And it, it, it I mean, you were it's not necessarily, you were forced to, because I mean, if you had the money, you could, you could do that and send the stuff out. But if you were doing the work in the dark room, you know, it, uh, it's much easier to make a print from uh, a, a good negative as opposed to trying to dodge and burn and making it up. Right. I mean, that was a whole bunch of more work, right? Right, so, right. So, um, yeah, you do ha- you did have to kind of be cautious and have kind of an idea of, of what you were trying to print at the end, you know, from the so that you could make sure that you did that with the, in right. camera. Right. And do you, I mean, over the years, I'm sure this has changed, but... Do you have a favorite thing that you like to shoot now that that really interests you, or is it kind of a, a broad range of things that that grab your attention? No, I was, I, I've always been uh, drawn to uh, derelicts, whether it's uh, buildings or uh, or houses or uh, not necessarily people, but uh, and uh, you know, there's uh, I haven't found an old car that hasn't grabbed my attention yet. So I, and it's still mostly that. And, and lately, I guess maybe to, to get more access, I've been, I've been shooting uh, deconstruction. So I've, I've got the WCB rating and my hard hat and safety glasses and steel toe boots. So I've, I've been on site with some construction crews as they take things apart. And so that's kind of interesting. What do you think? Because I share that interest with with derelict. What do you think it is that draws us to that as photographers? Is it the the textures and the different things that we see in that? Or yeah, I think a lot of that, the textures and the you know what rust does to the metal and the paint. But for me, a lot of those, a lot of those, if it's cars, uh, you know, were ones that were around when I was a kid, and I can still remember somebody's dad driving home on Saturday with. A brand new one, and uh, and so you wonder, uh, you know. Uh, to me, a lot of it's a comment on our society and mm. kind of the the place we've got ourselves into now, where you know now you've got these massive yards full of of uh, these old cars and uh, or trucks, and they you know at one point they were somebody's pride and joy, right? And now they're just kind of rusting mm. away, and it's also the. Uh, I know one of my favorite spots I shoot with has been there for uh, uh, since the 50s. It's been a junkyard. And now there's been some new housing development around there. So now all of a sudden there's complaints about what people are looking at, even though that stuff's been there for 25 years before they showed up. And so it's looking like uh, uh, they're going to have to kind of clean up and move it somewhere else. Right, Right, right. Not in my backyard. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, and I find those, those, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to look at it every day either, but I hear what you're saying. And I find those things fascinating because we were just talking today about shooting at Demex 
just the idea that there's there's always something interesting to shoot, whether it's rust or or textures or different shapes or you know whatever it is. There's mm-hmm. always something out there to shoot, and I think I find that about cars in particular. But I know there was a few years ago on on Facebook, I was following a photographer that was doing an abandoned house series, and that was fascinating too. Just the other day, I was thinking about being in PEI a few summers ago, quite a few summers, I guess five now, and kicking myself because although I'd, I'd spent maybe an hour, we were driving around PEI and I found some abandoned buildings and there was no no trespassing signs. So I went, but it's like, I could have spent the whole day there. And I, I look back on the photos and think, oh, I should have done that or I should have <laughs> done that. So I know all the time that I've known you, you've been a Nikon shooter. Was there something that drew, like, was that your first film camera or? Uh, no, I, uh, I'm, I was trying to think when I was thinking about doing this, but I think the 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 first camera I bought was a, a Ryko, uh, and it was a, a knockoff of a Pentax. Uh, it had the same mount as a Pentax, but I can't remember. I think a Spotmatic it might have been a knockoff of. And uh, and then I switched, I switched to a Canon, probably just because it was on sale and I was looking for a new camera. And uh, and I didn't have a lot of Pentax lenses, so it didn't matter. And then I I kind of was looking at a Nikon, but I uh, di- didn't have the funds kind of put away for it at that point. And then the school district got a new media technician, and he hated Nikon. And the school district had an F3 with uh, two or three lenses. And so he traded me straight across from my Canon. Wow. And... Uh, and uh, uh, I think it was a telephoto lens. And so that's how I ended up with a uh, Nikon. And I, I still have that F3. So, And then you stuck with, uh, I know your digital cameras have been Nikons as well. Right. Yeah. Is that just familiarity um, with the brand or are you, I mean, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is, are you a loyal Nikon fan or? Well, I still, <laughs> like many Nikon fans, think that somehow the optics are better, but I'm I'm sure over the years that's all caught up. I mean, Nikon lenses now are made in China or, uh, you know, though, uh, you know, I still have some of my older, uh, my older lenses are, I make sure they're Japanese glass and, right. and uh, I can tell a difference in them, even on the digital when I'm shooting it, you know, it, uh, on the edges of the, uh, of the image. Uh, it's still sharper than the the ones made in Thailand, and there's they're metal as opposed to plastic. Right, and, right. So it's yeah, it's so I'm still sticking with Nikon, and I I don't know if it's, but I don't really know if they're any better or not anymore. I think it's kind of those things have all closed up now. Over the, I mean I can remember where if you had a Sigma lens, you always kept your thumb over the label right. <laughs> or something. And now, I mean, a lot of the Sigma lenses test out better than exactly. whatever yeah. ones they're replacing, right? So Yeah, or other, yeah, exactly, other third-party like yeah. Viltrox or whatever. The technology and a lot of the um, the manufacturing is, is so close tolerance. I mean, I've found even cheap lenses that I've bought, like literally cheap, under a hundred dollars for a, but they're, they're prime, prime lenses, but a manual focus. And although there are problems and they're probably not as consistent, I've had really good results with some of those lenses. You know, you get a bit of vignetting or whatever, but if you're not blowing it up to 400% on your computer screen and looking at it, you're probably not going to notice a difference. Right. Right. Yeah. Now something, this wasn't a question that I had, but something that I just thought about, you've talked about you have some old Nikon glass and are you 
uh, adapting that for your new one or is the weight of it not worth it um, with, a, with a new body? Cause you've got the F5 or sort of the Z5, I think, right? Right. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Nikon's helping me along with that because even though they've got an adapter for uh, F mount lenses for the Z series, um, they don't tell you that all the lenses don't work on it. Right. right. And so I have uh, 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 six lenses that, that, they sort of if, if it's a D series or or prior to that, those won't they'll work as a manual lens right, on the okay. Z, but they won't work. Uh, autofocus doesn't work, and uh, my eyes are tired enough now that I kind of rely on autofocus right. uh, at least some of the time. So um, that's a caution for those of you thinking of switching to uh, check your lenses first. But uh, they all won't work on a, a Z camera, even though. Nikon kind of says they will. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm sure the same was, I think Canon just, they, well, their recent R series, they've changed their mounts. It's an RF yeah. mount with an adapter for the EF lenses. Yeah, same yeah. thing. So we've we've talked lots about this. I know you're not a huge fan of editing, partic- particularly digital editing, but can you, what's your, what's your relationship with that? Are there things that you like to get in and tinker with, or would you prefer if the world was perfect and you could just get it right in camera every time, is that how you would do it? Yeah. 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 Uh, un- unfortunately, <laughs> it, it doesn't happen as often as I'd like it to. And I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy the editing more because uh, I, while I just sitting in front of the computer, uh, it's, it's, I understand I spent hours in the dark room and there was all that smell and, but it, it was different. And I, I just, you know, sitting in front of the computer uh, for, uh, it could be depending on, uh, you know, hours anyway. And um, it, it's, you kind of get sucked into all the, uh, the software stuff. And it'd be great if there was just kind of one platform we all used and, uh, you know, and then, and then getting uh, caught. My big thing was I started off, uh, when I did switch to digital, I started off using Apple's uh, uh, Aperture about eight months before they quit making it. Right. And, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, it gets uh, it gets stuck. And I've probably got, I don't know, 8,000 images uh, saved uh, that were edited. And uh, it's, I'm getting pretty close to the point where I won't be able to uh, access them, at least through Aperture anymore. Right. And so, uh, and then, uh, and then I, uh, I switched to Luminar for a little bit. And then they, of course, immediately brought out Luminar AI, but they the file system is different. Right. So then now I've got like three, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I just don't want to subscribe to uh, Lightroom. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what it is. I just don't want to pay a monthly subscription. I, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. And and if I know somebody from Apple's listening, <laughs> Norm and I were talking about this earlier today. I don't understand why you can make a music editing software, a film editing software, but you don't have a photography editing software. And and we came up with a theory that there's some kind of conspiracy between Apple and Adobe and that there's something going on there to prevent us from having an Apple only, but perhaps we're just paranoid. Anyway, so speaking of which, and, I, and I'm just thinking about your, your experience over the years with both developing film and with with digital editing can you think of some tips or tricks that you go to on a regular basis that would be helpful for for maybe newer photographers listening no matter what software they're using 
Well, I, I kind of get, get used to, um, you know, whatever program I'm doing. And then I, I write down different steps I take and, and until I kind of figure out uh, the, you know, the process. I don't do, a, I, I probably should do more batch editing than I do because it, you know, from the same shoot, a lot of times you can, you can do this, the same things over again. But now I don't really have a lot of, of uh, digital tricks. It's, I'm finding that I have to pay closer attention to the light than I used to. I don't know if it's my eyes are getting worse or, uh, you know, and taking into, uh, to, uh, into account the backlighting on the screen. And, um, you know, my, while my monitor's calibrated, it still, uh, it still seems to sometimes prints will come back darker, uh, you know, when I go to print them than I think they're going to. Right. And so I, I don't have a lot of tricks on that. I, I just, it's not hit or miss, but it sometimes takes longer than I think it should. It makes me think too, I, I could probably, well, not probably, I don't do any batch editing and I'm thinking, yeah, why am I not doing batch editing? Cause I typically will look through like today we went out and shot and I'll look through and I'll pick a couple to edit and I'll, instead of editing everything, I'll just choose a few images. And it made me wonder too, do you hang on to everything except the obvious dogs? Um, because I, I struggle to get rid of images I do. I do get rid of images. I'm. I'm doing more. More so now. A lot of times before I upload them, I'll get rid of them in the camera. Yeah. Because I find that once I upload them, I kind of take possession of them. Right. Right. And so they. They. They kind of have to. You know. Uh, I may come back and do something yes, with it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, and I don't. But I'm. I'm finding it uh, difficult um, coming up with a cataloging system that. Uh, you know, because right now I've got uh, aperture files and I've got luminar files, and uh, and so I'm uh, and I I use uh, Nick, um, especially for black and white, and so I've got some of those. But I, you know, um, there's a few out there that kind of bring all that stuff together, and that's I just have to to look for that and and then figure out some kind of cataloging system where everything is like right now. I've I've got you know separate um, hard drives that, that have all my aperture stuff on it. And then another one that has luminar and I'm oh, constantly okay. switching back and forth right. or trying to find stuff. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've struggled with for years too, is how to catalog. And it eventually, well, now I've just gone, everything's chronological. I just have a year and then I have months, like I have a 2022, uh, file folder and I have months in there. And then I, Within that month, I will put a day and a topic of what I'm shooting, but I haven't found a perfect, I'm not s completely happy with that, but it, it works for now. And I can fairly easily find things. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not so much the raw files coming out of the camera, I, uh, but it's the edited versions. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, and then trying to, uh, you know, make sure you don't get caught where, you've got them, but then you can't open them because operating systems have changed or, right. you know, so it's, and I just think that that's eventually, I think people are, are going to get upset. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're like me. Everybody's got uh, images that, you know, they're just kind of sitting there, but, but then what do you do with them? If you well, can't exactly, read them exactly. And yeah. Do, yeah. Are we just going to accept the fact that, because that wasn't a thing 
in the field, if you had a negative, you could develop it, right? right. Like it's, yeah. it's not like now where, yeah, like you say, well, the, the operating system doesn't support that file format or, you know, whatever the case happens to be, right? Right. I'm thinking about, you know, professional photographers that have a catalog, they, they may want to go back and sell images or, and I guess for them, it might be worth it to spend the money to make that accessible, but the average person can't do that, right? No, and, and you're, you're kind of being steered towards Lightroom. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's, and that's the, uh, and there's just part of me that just doesn't want to, um, I want to, if I'm going to have a program, I'm going to own it. I don't want to spend, you know, rent every month. Yeah. Uh, just to, to keep. And what happens if they decide, oh, we're not going to rent to you anymore. Exactly. You know, and so, yeah. But it, it, it yeah, you would think that there'd be a, a few more options out there, but I guess, I guess not. It's, it's uh, just seems to uh, all kind of be going sort of one way. And, and if you're, if you're not willing, I'm in the same boat where I've really dug my heels in. It's like, no, I'm not getting an Adobe product for the, for the price, but your options are very limited. And I know even for, you know, something like Affinity Photo, which is something that I've gone to, because you can buy a standalone program, but you make compromises. It doesn't work as well. It doesn't do things that you maybe want it to do. And, and it's a whole other learning curve. Um, well, it's a learning, and then I also find it also is like you can use GIMP instead of Photoshop, exactly. but you have to, you know, then then you have to like make sure that your computer will run the latest version of GIMP. Yeah, and it, so it you become sort of more of a, a software kind of person with a computer, whereas before you know you just had to make sure your enlarger was set up and and uh, you had the right lens, and then that that's pretty much all you needed. Yeah, yeah. Right? You didn't have to be this computer expert on the side. Yeah. Or, I mean, you're, we're adding all of these layers of complexity that, that were never there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, now, granted, you know, you do get, uh, you do get a, a wider uh, version of what you can do with. Sure. That. Sure. But yeah. And so there's, there's always that. But is it worth the frustration? Well, is the, is the I question. guess that's, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. I mean, I follow you on Instagram and you're, are you Broken Fish? Yeah. Okay. And Broken that's, Fish Photography. And that's yeah. the name of your photography. And you've got a website as well? Yeah, on Zenfolio. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in checking out Norm's work um, on Instagram, it's Broken Fish Photography. And then you can also just do a search, uh, Google Broken Fish Photography, and it'll take you to the Zenfolio, Zenfolio site. And also you display physical prints as well. Can you say a few places where you, people could go have a look at your work? Uh, well, if you're in Courtney, uh, I've got work hanging at Roto's, which is a coffee shop that... Uh, works with the local photographic society and and uh, we hang uh, 20, 20 odd prints a month there and there's also the Pearl Ellis gallery in uh, Comox that I uh, have work on display there the two listeners that uh, that tune into this podcast might be interested to know how you can you talk just a little bit about how you prepare your work like this is something that I've struggled with this year I wanted to to put some work into our local photography club um, for the, uh, and I can't, uh, photo salon, but I was really struggling with, uh, I don't know how to pick it. I don't know how to prepare it. So do you have some 
some ideas, some tips for, for younger photographers or less experienced photographers who might be interested in displaying their work and how, how you go about choosing and preparing that work for, for framing? Well, I, I, think, I think one of the things, first off, is that you should print. You should print like once a month, even if it's just one or two prints. Uh, you know, collecting these digital images uh, on your uh, computer and maybe putting one up on Instagram really isn't photography. Uh, at least that's my thing. It's the print that comes up. And I, I, I print, I pretty much print what I like. Uh, and I, it's not that I don't care whether you like it or not. I've, I've done it enough times to know that uh, someone will be looking at it and they'll connect with, with it. But what I like doing uh, at a place where I've got my work exhibited is I just like sitting and, and watching people and uh, listening to comments or, or talking about it. And many times uh, they'll see something in uh, one of my prints that I didn't see. Right. Uh, those the the images always speak to somebody, right? And so you have to kind of just just kind of take that step and and put it out there. And if someone doesn't like it, well, so what? Yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like your camera's gonna get taken away, or right? Something. Right. <laughs> and um, but you do have to pay attention to detail, right? Like uh, like dust spots are the worst thing, right? Uh, you know, and so you need to to. To when you when you're doing that print, you do need to pay close attention to uh, to little things, and when you mat it, to make sure that you've given the image some breathing room mm. in it. And um, I've uh, I think curated's the word, but I I'm in I kind of uh, have put on the uh, major exhibits for the uh, photographic society in Courtney, and so one of the things I've moved everybody towards is is the prints are all matted in, in white mats and the frames are black. And that way, when, you know, people are looking at the image, they're looking at the print and not at the frame and the mats don't get in the way because everybody's looks the same. And mm. so, and that's hard to do because, uh, because uh, people always, and, and you can kind of enhance a print by picking up, uh, you know, if it's a color print, uh, picking up some of the colors in the mat and uh, but that's when you sell it. That's what folks do. Right. And so when it's on display like that, the frames and the mat should all be the same. But I, I I do. I encourage you to to print. I had a friend who I shot with. Uh, he's he's moved away now, but he printed on a regular basis. And then every November he burned most of them <laughs> just so they weren't collected around. And yeah. then he would come up with more and so i get a phone call in november come on norman's you know you gotta <laughs> clean out those files and I, and I just go no no i'm gonna keep them for a while and you go well your kids aren't gonna they're gonna throw them out <laughs> you know? that's great advice and i'm taking it to heart because i hear it over and over and over again and so there's there's obvious truth to it about printing your images and I, I haven't yet made that leap of faith to print. And and one of the many reasons, although it's not the main one, is what do I do with all these things? Even if I'm only printing one a month, then I've got 12 at the end of the year and 24 the next year. And But that's another problem to deal with. But that's good advice because I know that I've often seen things, and this has happened to me, where I have made 
the leap to print something. And then I'll see, it's like, why didn't I see those spots or why didn't, you know, and it's, it's taking me back to what do I need to be more conscious of when I am editing rather than just the crop or the colors or whatever. There's all those little things. Is there something drawing my eye away from what I want it to be drawn to, right? Like a bright spot or something like that. Um, and I like the idea too, about the simplicity of framing and matting, uh, because you're right, you can enhance something with with a colored mat, but maybe that's something that you decide in the decor of your house what that's going to look like, as opposed to on the wall in the gallery, right? There's a story. I was I was at a uh, art show in uh, at Milner Gardens, and uh, I, you know I had photographs on sale. It was outside, and uh, it was kind of slow, so I I went off to get something to eat and. Uh, fellow next to me was keeping an eye on my booth and I could see him jumping up and down and waving from across the field. So I went over and this woman had uh, come and she was looking at my prints, but she'd taken them all off and set them up on a table and had paint chips and was like, she didn't really care what the subject was. She just wanted to make sure that they matched the paint in her living room. Interesting. And, and I said to her, what are you going to do if you paint the living room? She said, well, I'll just buy new ones. <laughs> and that's what I, I think that's how hotels and stuff buy, yeah, buy work, yeah, right? Yeah. And so so I was thinking, well, you're going to pay me for them, so I'll sell them to you anyway. Exactly. But it's not kind of where I wanted them to end up. No, fair enough. But, yeah, you'd yeah. like it to speak to yeah. somebody if they're going to buy right, it for sure. Not just because the the wall paint match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, I've, I've run out of questions uh, in the sense that those are the prepared ones, but is there something that, you know, you're, you'd like other photographers to know about or something that you think, oh, I wish we'd talked about this? Uh, well, there could be, you could talk about sort of photography for a long time, but I think it's just, it's being, uh, it's being careful and sort of, of uh, you know, making sure you've, You've looked at the light and uh, you, you kind of, you know, had an idea about the composition or you've taken the time to figure that out before you take the, the photograph and and just the being careful in the editing. And and I know that I still get a lesson taught when I, I leave something to the last minute and I, I print it and then it comes back, whether from the lab or someplace else, and there's a it looks like a pimple on the end of your nose, this dust spot that, how did I miss that? And it was just because I was in a hurry and, yeah. and wanted to get things done. So, so just make sure you take the time to, uh, to do that because it's your name that's on that print at right. the end, right? And, uh, and it's not only that, but if you're in a, a group exhibit, it reflects on the rest of the photographers as well. Yeah, good so, point. So, you know, you kind of need to take that time and, or get someone else to look at it. Yeah. Right? Before... And if I can mention too, in camera, because I've been doing a little bit of macro stuff. And even though I, I'm aware of it, I wasn't thinking. I did this photo of a black, I was doing some toy car photography. I spent more time in editing, getting rid of all the things that I should have just dusted off the car before I photographed it, right? <laughs> Especially a black car. Right. Um, or taken the blower and got rid of the dust because it was only, of course, in, in camera, I didn't see it. It was only when I put it up on the screen. It's like, what's, oh man, there's all these little squiggly, you know, dust yeah. bunnies. And, and that's just something, you know, if you're doing that kind of work, product photography or something close up, be thoughtful about dusting it off or blowing it off or that that's cause that'll show up on your print for sure. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Um, it will. 
And it's always amazing how you notice it after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. That wraps up our episode. I'm going to just say thank you to Norm for taking the time to talk to us today. Stay tuned next month where I have no idea what we'll be talking about, but no <laughs> doubt it'll be fascinating. You've been listening to Pixels, a podcast brought to you by the Harbor City Photography Club, located in beautiful Nanaimo, British Columbia. The show is researched, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Lee Nice. This has been a Neesley Done podcast production.